Hey, thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. I have like a, a love, I have a love-hate relationship with with the, the most pointless arch, I think, that's, that's in the world. Like literally in the world, the most pointless arch in the world. I have like a weird love-hate relationship. And, it's, and it, you know, I've looked at arches. It's, I'm not talking about like the arches in Rome, right? So Rome's got like a couple of massive arches. I told my wife before, like, I want to go there and I just want to see the arches. I just want to see them. Like, or, or the ones in North Korea, which I don't want to go to. But like the one in North Korea, uh, or, or even like the ones in, um, in like Russia, which I, I don't, I don't want to go there either. Or like France. Like there's that big old arch and it's got that big old roundabout. And I'm like, man, I would love to see, because I think I can navigate roundabouts pretty good. Most of Diamond Head cannot, but, but I can. And so I just want to see what it's like on, on, on skill level 100. I want to see what that's like. But not those arches. Those are, those are arches that were built to commemorate generals that would win battles or wars. So they would build these arches for the, 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 the winners, the victors, the soldiers to come back through with the spoils of war. And so it was to honor and commemorate, hey, we won. We are, we are winners. Those arches say that we won. In India, there's a gate, there's an arch that they have built in India, in New Delhi, actually, to honor 90,000 of the British Indian soldiers that died in World War I. 90,000. And so that's an arch not to say, hey, we won. It's to, to say we belong. Like we're with you. We want to honor you and what you've done for us so that we can move forward. There's even the arch. Y'all been to the St. Louis Arch? We took a group of teens there, golly, 15, 16, 17 years ago. And like the St. Louis Arch, it's, it's pretty neat. It's 638 feet high, which like if you look at numbers, like, oh, that's not really high. But that really is high, especially if you go up in the... I remember when I was planning that trip and it was like the internet was just... I still had to print out maps on MapQuest. Do you remember doing that, print out maps? So it was like the, the weird, awkward transition. It's like the puberty stage for maps because like you went from the Rand McNally uh, maps, the big ones that you bought at Walmart, or if you if you had a little extra money, like you'd go to the bookstore and you get like the, the really nice bound one. And then, and now we have maps on our phones or you have GPS devices, if you still buy those. And uh, it was that really weird, awkward stage where you had to print out maps. And so I remember printing out maps and I remember like planning, going to the arch and I read a little bit of data on it. It was like, hey, it's just really, you're going up in this really small, probably as big as this rug here, you know, four feet, five feet wide kind of thing. And you're just going up and you're cramped. And I'm like, do I have, do I have claustrophobia? What if I don't? What if I do? What if I get it? What if I get claustrophobia? What if I, what if in the middle of the way up, I just freak out and spaz out? Or what if someone else doesn't? And you get to the top and you get to see, you get to see everything. It's beautiful. FDR, um, I think it was FDR in the 1930s, kind of started the project, it was to memorialize Thomas Jefferson and specifically that he added to America. He added half of America with the Louisiana Purchase, so Caucasians. But like he added half of America, the whole westward expansion thing. And so with, with that arch, with that gateway, they call it the gateway, right? The gateway arch. 
with that entranceway, people are commemorating, saying, we have a future. So you have some arches that say, we won. You have some arches that say, we belong. And then you have some arches that say, we have a future. We want to win. And we want to belong. And we want to have a future. That's what we want. So I think the most, most, moist, the most pointless arch in the entire world is the McDonald's arch. The golden arches, right? That's what we call it, the golden arches. So I looked it up. I watched a movie, because movies are real, and I watched one, Michael Keaton's in it, and I do trust Michael Keaton, although he's a bad guy in most of his movies now. Anyway, I watched it. It was his, the guy that kind of franchised and started the McDonald's stuff wasn't even a McDonald. Like, he bought McDonald's, he bought the name from a, bro, a pair of brothers that were kind of fledgling, and they had like one shop. And he's like, man, this is great. This is cheap, fast food. Like before we knew it was called fast food. He's like, this is cheap, fast food that, that I can get like entry-level people that are replaceable, that don't really matter, to make it, and I can make lots of money. And so he buys it from them, their name. I'm gonna buy your name, I like your name. Has anyone ever offered to buy your name? No one said, hey, I wanna buy Reardon from you. I'd be like, please, that would be fantastic. No one ever does that. It is for sale, by the way. I'm just kidding. But like they, he buys their name and like for these golden arches. So like he, he hires an architect for the golden arches. He's like, I really want an arch. And like three architects were like, that's weird. There's not really an arch in your design. It's like, I know, but it's going to be noticeable to the world. And they're like, oh, this is dumb. And he's like, you're fired and you're fired and you're fired. And so they finally get a guy that's a yes man. He's like, yeah, I'll put golden arches in there for you. Did you know, like, it's not even in the design anymore. It hasn't been in their design for their building since the 60s. Yeah. I know, that's too much nerdy stuff for you today. But with McDonald's, you don't win because there's calories and cholesterol. My doctor told me about my cholesterol this week. He's like, I'm gonna put you on cholesterol pills. I'm like, let's, let's, let's do another blood work. It's been a little while. Let's try it again. You don't belong at McDonald's. I'm like, like they even have automated kiosks now. And I go to do the automated kiosk and like for whatever reason I'm dumb. It's like, hey, you can't use your card here. You have to use McDonald's cash. I'm like, what's McDonald's cash? And you don't really have a future because it's fast, it's cheap, and it's replaceable. Although McDonald's is probably gonna be around to the end of time. I want to tell you about an arch that says that we win, that we belong, and that we have a future. The book of John chapter 10 is where we're going to be. It's Jesus' third I am statement. Two weeks ago he says, I'm the bread of life. That's his first one chronologically. He says, I'm the bread of life. Like, you needed food. My Father God gave you manna from heaven. You need spiritual food, and I'm going to give you the bread of life. I'm the bread of life, and if you eat of me, if you partake in me, if you trust me, like you will never go hungry again. And last week we looked at Jesus saying that I'm the light of the world. I'm the way by which you see everything. And he celebrated that at, during the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was when, John chapter 8, Feast of Tabernacles was when they, like, they celebrated that they lived in huts, that God had them live in huts as they were leaving Egypt. For 40 years, God's like, hey, you don't have time to build a whole big house with rooms for everyone and a big, big yard where we can play football. He's like, you don't have time for that. I want you to just build huts. Well, how, how are we going to know where you lead us, God? He's like, I'm, I'm going I'm to do it big. There's going to be a big pillar, uh, like a big cloud, and you cannot miss it for miles. That way, two million people back 
can see it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's God. He's leading us. But then I'm also going like, to be this big fire. So they celebrated that all the time. And Jesus is like, I'm going to light your way. I'm going to light your way. I'm going to give you a hope. And I'm going to give you a future. You just be, you just trust in me. So today is, Jesus says, book of John, chapter 10. I'm going to get this, let me get this right eventually. Chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. Jesus says again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I'm going to ask you a question. What, is, what does your translation say for that word there? Door. Door. What does yours say? Gate. Gate. All right. Let's see. Okay. Gate. What's yours say? Gate. Like, I looked at a bunch of them when I was looking this up. They all say gate or door. So if that's in your camp, congratulations. I'm like, let me look at the Amplified Bible. Because the Amplified, I call it the Scatterbomb Bible. Like they take some of the, 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 the ancient words and they, they elaborate on what it is. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, surely, surely they're going to say what this is. And it's like gate or door. All the reliable ones say gate or door. The picture, when you think of a gate or door, I was in this patient's house not too long ago and like there's a gate She's got a gate, a fence gate in her house that she can open and close to leave her, 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 her neck of the house. It's really weird. It's strange. Fence gate, chain link. But they made it look nice by, the, by painting it black. So whatever. Clashes with the walls. But when you see a gate or when you see a door, you think I, I open it and I close it. Right? That's logic. The implication, if you have something that you can open, is you have something that you can close. The implication is you can open and let people in or you can close it and keep people out. That's the idea. A better word for it, a better word for it is entrance way. And I'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. But I want to focus on a couple other words before we move into understanding what it means to be an entranceway or a gateway. It says here that Jesus said again, there's nothing worse. <laughs> Any of y'all have kids or grandkids or, or you have friends that have kids and you're around them? There's nothing worse than having to repeat a story more than once. I told you once. Like, Please tell me again. I was not listening. And like when a kid says that, I'm like, well, at least they admitted it, but I'm going to tell you again. And like when a kid tells me that's like, oh, Jesus had to tell him again. He said again, therefore, I said again, Jesus had already shared with them. Look at verses one through five. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the, there's the word gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls out his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. That sounds pretty plain and simple, doesn't it? But look at verse 6. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand it. Mm, does not compute. Don't understand it. 
I say again, truly I tell you. It's like I'm telling you the truth. Two times. So verse 1 and in verse 6, uh, verse 7, he says, truly I tell you. That's the word, and we looked at it a week or two ago. That's the word that says amen. That's the Greek word amen. And like when we pray, it's the word amen. Amen, amen. Like in, uh, when I was growing up, we had King James Bibles, New King James. Like I remember I still have it. It's in my box underneath my bed. It's my childhood Bible. I won't part with it. Um, I don't read it, but I won't part with it. It's just got memories to it, I suppose. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Like that's the word, verily. But whenever I hear verily, I think merely, merely down the, down the stream, life is but a whatever. Like that's what I think about. I'm like, what does verily even mean? Verily means truly, truly. Amen, amen. Like, that's the Greek word. Amen. Like, I'm telling you the truth. Verse 1. I'm telling you the truth. I need you to know this about sheep. Hmm, don't understand. It's because you're sheep. He's like, so I'm going to tell you again in verse 7. Truly, I tell you. That's what's going on here. I'm going to ask you a question. Here's, a, here's your first application. If you're like, hey, James, I, I love hearing about Scripture, but I need to know what to do with it. Here's the simple thing that you can do with it. When you don't understand something that, of God that you've read or heard, dig into it. Sounds simple. When you don't understand something about Scripture, just dig into it. Look for it. Like I went onto Bible Gateway and I said, I want to look at this verse in 10 different versions. Now you can do it in like 30 or whatever, but most of them, you don't realize this, but a lot of them are very similar and some of them are just branches off the other ones. So I looked at like 10 major ones. And that's when I saw gate and door were all of them. I'm like, huh, what about the message? Even the message, which is a paraphrase, had, I think it had gate which is strange because he replaces all of the words and makes it modern day English for us to understand like a story. When there's something you don't understand, you dig deeper, you study it. What, is, what, else, what else in the Bible kind of talks about this is another way, like I love looking like in, in my copy, like I have in the middle columns, I've got other scriptures that will point to these scriptures. So if you, it's, it's called cross-reference. So if you ever get like a, a reference or cross-reference Bible, like it'll help you out. Like, well, I need to know more about verse 7. He says, truly I tell you I am, and so I'm looking up I am, and it will send me to Exodus 3.14, Psalm 45.8, John 8.24. And so I would look all those up if I wanted to know more about, well, what does this mean I am? Here. Reminds me, I was bringing Grayson and his friend to school the other day, and his friend said, like, hey, I got a bunch of strange questions. And I'm like, oh, that's great, because I'm, I'm really strange. And I, said, I didn't say that, though, because stranger danger. I'm like, hey, so tell me, tell me about these questions. He says, well, so Jesus is born of Mary, right? And she's a human, right? So Jesus is born, kind of. Well, how was God born? I'm like, oh, that's a good question. God wasn't born. That's what makes him God. He's always been. And like kids, they can't compute eternal things, right? They just can't understand it. And they're like, huh, I don't get it. It's like, well, God has always been and he always will be. That's why he's the Alpha and Omega because he's been and will be after everything else he's created. Oh, so that's what makes him God. He's otherly. He's different. And that's what's beautiful. And we can trust in the God of heaven because of that. And he's digging deeper on the way to school. Like usually kids are doing whatever on the way to school, but he totally, totally was digging deep. The word door or gate. You see it in verse 1. Who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate? You see it in verse 2. It's the same word, the gate. We see it again here in verse 7, the word for gate. The word there for gate is used 39 times in the New Testament. 
and the majority, if not all, minus two of those times it's used as door. Jesus says in Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Like that's one of those, it's closed. Our heart is closed and Jesus is knocking at it. It's like, man, I want to see, I, I want you to open up your heart to me. I want you to open up your lives to me. That's actually what, what got um, James, the brother of Jesus, in trouble. They, the Jewish people, the leaders, legend has it that he, it was so neat about James, like they, they called him old camel knees. Can you imagine like that? So like he would go and he would pray so much for people on his knees that they said that his knees looked like a camel's knees. Can you imagine like if your faith was so strong or if your faith was in such a way that it caused you to move in such a way that it physically altered you and people noticed that about you? And so that was, legend has it that he was called camel knees and the Jewish people, eventually the leaders got him and they asked him a question and said, hey, they asked him this question. A couple of historians attested to this. They said, who is the gate for the sheep? That was the question that they asked him. And they were not satisfied with his answer when he said, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. They, didn't, they were not satisfied. So legend has it that they took him to the top of the temple and they, they pushed him off. But when Jesus says, in verse 1, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, they're either a thief or a robber. These are talking about like believers who are deceived by someone who wants to rob you of your reliance on Christ. They're like, I want you to, like I've seen preachers like this, I've seen authors like this who want you to rely on anything else except for Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Like I want you to rely on me. Send in like, send in like $10, $5. Send in like $25 and I'll give you a cloth. I prayed over it. I prayed over it for you. And you're like, oh yeah, I will. Like I see old people. So that's my job during the day. Like I see old people. And like they literally, they're like, hey, I got this holy water from so-and-so. And I'm like, it's just water out of the tap. I'm like what? I'm like nothing. No, go tell me more about this. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus uses the phrase for door. The same phrase for door. He says, when you pray, he says, go to your private room and close the door. Like, I want you to go and close this gate. I want... So most of the times when Jesus uses this phrase, he's talking about a door. Except for here in verse 7. He says, truly I tell you that I am the gate. Like, truly, amen, like you can bank on this. I tell you the truth, plain and simple, I am the gate for the sheep. Look at verse 3 again. We who follow Christ are known and called. Verse 3 says he, that the gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, like he knows us, he calls us by name, and we, like we're, so we're called and we are known. Like there's a God in heaven who knows you. There's no other religion out there where their gods know you. None of them. They don't give a rip about us. We are fodder for whatever pleasure that they've got, which they're all fake and false anyway, but there's nothing that we could ever do that would satisfy these other gods. Like, they, they, they're, they're leeches. And yet here it is, we have the real God of heaven who's saying, I know you, and I called you by name, and you're known by others. Like, it's not just like one sheep, and like, hey, you're in. It's like, no, collectively, together, I know you. 
and you are known by one another. When, uh, when I know that I'm called, I know that I have a specific purpose. And it says here that Jesus calls the sheep. Like he calls them. He's like, I've got, I, I need you to come out here. I'm going to lead you. There was a kid, so Grayson had a birthday party yesterday. With like seven or eight other boys. And I realized then, like this is the last time we're doing a birthday party with seven or eight other boys in closed, confined space. Bad idea. We're going to go out to a pool or a racetrack or a big field that I can't see the end of it, you know, and just go play. And I don't want to see you till dark. That's going to be our future. But for this one, they were destroying the room. It's like, oh my gosh. And finally it was like, okay, look, um, there's this one boy. And he says, uh, what, what can I do? So well, they need to go in there and clean it up. Well, what do you want me to do? I said, your one job is to get the rug and to make sure it goes back in front of the bed the way it's supposed to. It's a small room, right? It's a small room. Not a lot you could do to it, but they destroyed it. And so he said, okay, I can do that. And Jesus gives us like that one job. It's like, I've got one plan and one purpose for you. What is it? It's to walk in his ways and he'll tell us what it is. Jesus knows who you are and he has a plan for you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to lead you. So by entering the gateway, he knows us and others know us. We find community. We find belonging. It's like we're coming to C112 here. The church at 112, like we all long to belong, don't we? That's why our, our, our mission statement, you see it there. Every time you walk in, it says, together we encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what we do, together. That's, our, that's, that's what we do. We do it together. We want people to get us. And I hope you can find that here at the church at 112. We I hope that we can always find that in the church of God, wherever God leads you. We've had families that we've sent out to like Virginia and to North Mississippi, to other mission fields. We've prayed over them. It's like, hey, God's got you leaving out of here and you're going to go serve others. You're going to be a light. And I hope that you get a part of a community that gets you like we get you. He calls us by name and then we win. When he calls us by name, I know like we win. We knows us, he knows us, and we belong. Like that's the kind of arch that we walk into. That's the kind of gateway. That's the kind of entrance way. When Jesus says, I'm the gate, we walk into a place where we already win and we already belong. And we have a future. Verse 4. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. Like they're moving into a future. It's unknown. They don't know what the future is, but we're following you, Jesus, because we trust you. I want to know that I have a future, and it's more than just to wash, rinse, and repeat. It's more than just I wake up, and I brush my teeth, and I go to the bathroom, and then I get my clothes on, and I go to work, and then I come home, and I make supper, and then like we get everyone down, and then I go to sleep, and then I wake up, and then I wash, rinse, and repeat. It's, we have more to life than just that, God, I want to know that I have a future. And Jesus is like, I've got a future. You just need to follow me. That's it. Just follow me. I've got something for you. So, verse 8. All who came before me, there's that word again, thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. You know, thieves, thieves take, take stuff by force, don't they? And robbers, they do it secretly. For one way or the other, they have people trying to manipulate you. But when we know the voice of the shepherd, and we're going to look at that next week, by the way. So next week, John chapter 10, we're going to, say that, we're going to look at where Jesus says, I am the shepherd. 
But when we know the voice of the shepherd, we won't get taken. We won't get taken by him. So verse 9, he says, I am the gate. This is the second time that he says that I am the gate. Which is great because we are sheep and, and sometimes we're dumb. And I'm just not computing the metaphor of Jesus. And he's like, I just want to tell you again, figure speech, I am the gate. Okay, cool, let me write that down. I'm the entranceway. I'm not a door. I'm not like, like I remember I preached this, this message 2009. I think it was the last time I preached John. I couldn't find my notes from it. But I do remember reading about like how a shepherd will lay down in front of the, the entranceway for the sheep pen. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's really good. Jesus lays down for us and he keeps people out. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, no, I'm the entryway. I'm the gateway for people to come into the Father. You want to go into a happy, eternal presence of God where, like where even Jesus is the light. Like, man, when you get here, we don't have to flip on light switch. We don't have to have lamps because I am the light of the world and you will see everything by me. Jesus invites us to trust him. He says, if anyone enters by me, look at that, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and come in and go out and find pasture. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. When we trust Jesus, we live forever. He's like, and I want to talk about that word saved in just a moment. John chapter 6, verse 51, Jesus says, you know, when you eat of me, and this was what we looked at two weeks ago, when you eat of me, you will never go hungry again. You will always be filled and you will always be satisfied. In John chapter 8, verse 12, when he talks about being the light, he says, we will never walk in darkness. If we trust in him, you will never walk in darkness. We will always be able to see life clearly through Christ. And even John chapter 10, verse 10, look at John 10, verse 10. It says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, why? So they may have life and have it in abundance. I have come that they may have eternal life. That they can live and like just be satisfied. I have come that you can have life and have it to the full. I want to ask you a question. Do you ever feel, do you feel like you win, uh, belong, and have a future? Or do you feel like you've been ripped off? Unimportant replaceable like mcdonald's by the way i do i do like their apple pies it was, it's funny like sally this morning got us mcdonald's and i'm like please get me an apple pie it's in my sermon today and i love apple pies so i don't want to say like it's a love-hate relationship that i have with mcdonald's in their golden arches i think just don't be arches but and these are bad for you anyway but i mean they're not as bad as they used to be but they're still anyway it doesn't matter There may be things that we like about some of these other gates or some of these other doors or some of these other arches, some of these other entranceways. But I want to tell you, as good as an apple pie tastes to me, only Jesus satisfies forever. So like when we look at these arches, when we look at like the future expansion of America, we're like, man, God, you've been so good to us. But only God is the one that satisfies us forever. Or when we, when we look at the, the conquering arches and we're like, man, God, you've given us victory which they did not give God, you know, thanks for that. Only Jesus gives us victory. So that's why, and we're, we're going to be finished up with this, he says that he, we, will be, we will be saved. The word therefore saved, 
Well, I want to point out three things. We're going to be saved. We're going to come in and go out, and we're going to find pasture. Saved, come in, go out, and have pasture. In Christ, we are rescued. We are free. And we're fine. Like we're saved. We are rescued. That word for saved, that word for salvation, it literally means safe and sound. Like that Jesus rescues us. And I've told you before, only Jesus can rescue us from the deadly reality of a dark forever. Only Jesus can rescue us. He's the only one that can save us. Jesus is our rescue. The one that we seek. John chapter 3, verse 7. I'm going to read a few of these. John 3, 7. So we all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, right? John 3, 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, guess what? But to save the world through Him. John chapter 5, verse 34. Same word for saved. Jesus says, I don't receive human testimony, but I say these things so that you may be saved. That's his goal. John chapter 12. He'll say this a little bit later on. John 12 verse 47. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I don't judge him. For I didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, to be clear, we will be judged at the end. We will be judged at the end. But Jesus is like, man, I want you to have life. I'm telling you, I'm the bread of life. I'm telling you, I'm the light of the world. I'm telling you, I'm the gate. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I want you to live and never go hungry. I want you to be satisfied. I want you to know that I belong, that I have a future, that I am free. I want you to know all these things. I want you to know. I don't want you to feel downtrodden or beat up. I want you to see these things. In the arch of Christ, we win, we belong, and we have a future. So, I want to encourage you, the next time you see an arch, next time you see the golden arches, next time you, someone tells you about an arch, even the arch of your foot, whatever, next time you hear about an arch, I want you to think, in Christ, I win, I belong, and I have a future. I win, I belong, and I have a future. It's only in Christ. And it's not that Jesus did that so the whole world can just nonchalantly win and belong and have a future. It's for those of us who, Jesus said, you have to eat of me. You have to trust in me. You have to come, you have to come into the sheep pen through me, through the entranceway, through this gate, through this archway. You have to come in this way. You have to walk in my light. It's not like, hey, I did this for the whole world. I did do it for the whole world, but they have to, they have to take a step. We have to take a step. If you haven't trusted in Christ your Savior, that He is the bread, that He is our light, that He is our entranceway, this is a promise for you. Will you trust Him? Jesus, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Jesus, I thank you for what you've done for humanity. That we don't have to live a life that is wash, rinse, and repeat, but instead entrusting you, Jesus, and in your work and in who you are by believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths that you are Lord, you are Master, that we are rescued, and that we know that we win, that we belong, and that we have a future in you and you alone, Jesus. So thank you for my friends that are here today and those that will be listening, Jesus, that we trust you. May we always remember that and celebrate you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.